What's up, everyone? Welcome to my corner of the internet. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is Crossover Commerce, presented by Ping Pong Payments, the leading global payments provider helping sellers keep more of their hard-earned money. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and welcome to another episode of Crossover Commerce presented by Ping Pong Payments. Episode 98 is where you're at today. Thanks for joining and tuning in today. Today's episode is titled How to Get 10 to 50, or excuse me, 10 to 50% more of your Amazon FBA businesses. Exciting stuff. We put staff behind it, and we're going to listen to our guest talk about what that exactly means. Uh, but crossover a little bit before we jump right into that crossover commerce quickly is presented by ping pong payments. Ping pong transfers more than $150 million a day for e-commerce sellers, just like you. If you, uh, we help over 1 million customers now and have processed over 90 billion with a B uh, dollars in cross border payments to start saving your money today, go ahead and sign up for a free account below. It's that link in the show notes. Go ahead. If you're watching on social media, click on that link after the show, of course, don't want to do it now, but after the show, click on that. Go ahead and send it for a free ping pong account today and start saving money today. A big welcome to our audience here watching on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter. Of course, welcome to everyone who's tuning in for the first time or, again, the 98th time. I love having you all here asking questions because this is a live show. I go live about four to five times per week to bring the best, brightest, and most helpful people in the Amazon e-commerce space to give you a one-up uh, kind of level up your business to the next level, if you will, um, in whether it's on Amazon, e-business, or wherever you might be building your uh, business growing forward. So you don't want to miss a single episode. And of course, my 100th episode will be this Friday. You don't want to uh, miss out on that. And we'll talk a little bit about that at the end of the show. But again, put that on your calendar. Make sure you don't miss on miss out on that episode as well. But because I go live so much, you can actually interact with us on social media four to five times again four to five times per week just go ahead and write your questions in the comment section on facebook linkedin or youtube we'll be able to see those and answer your questions here live or if you're watching this later on i call it team replay if you're a team replay and you watch this later on when we're not live you can go ahead and still ask those same questions just go ahead and tag us in there and we'll be able to see those and get those questions answered also, if you happen to be listening to this, we're everywhere where podcasts can be listened to. Again, Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, wherever you can consume a podcast, I'm going to be there. Just search Crossover Commerce. Make sure you subscribe and rate our podcast on there. The more people who rate it or the more sharing of it, the more people will be able to get all this information out there and be able to listen and level up their business. So make sure you tune into that as well. Uh, but about our guest today, if it was just about me, that would be one heck of a show, but it's not. It's only, it's me about in my guests that I bring on the show. I call them friends of the show. Uh, my friend of the show today, is, his name is Dave Story. He spent 20 years working for world-class manufacturing businesses in the UK, starting as a product design engineer and finishing as an operations director in charge of an entire factory. And in 2014, he decided to follow his dream to run his own business and ended up becoming an Amazon private label seller. Uh, very, very similar uh, story. We hear all this sort of time again, 2014, 15, we've talked about in the show, golden era of selling on Amazon. Uh, but as a private label seller, he has since uh, sold eight figures worth of products across the platforms. Uh, after selling his first FBA business in 2019, he realized that he was a massive amount of strategy and tactics that should be employed in order to get the highest selling price possible. And he knew that Amazon sellers would not know what these things are. So he decided to put a coaching uh, program together to share his knowledge and give something back to the FBA community. The program is called FBA Built to Sell or AFBTS, and it was released in 2020. And since then, he has it's been a fantastic results for people who have joined. Many of them have gone and sell their own businesses online and uh, brands online for far more than that they would have done before them. And today he's running his own FBA business, which uh, was built to sell from the onset and supports the students of his program to optimize their businesses and exit them for far more of what they would have done. Again, welcome to Crossover Commerce, Dave's story of AFBTS. Oh my gosh, Dave, that is a mouthful, but welcome aboard. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me on the show. Excited do you like, that, do you like to holding, stumble into the name? 
AFBTS. It's a, it's BTS. There it is. Oh, well, that's what the, that's my chichi. So I appreciate you doing that for me specifically. Uh, um, but hey, welcome. Uh, you're joining us from Newcastle. You said uh, so. You're over in England, uh, yeah. in that area. So, uh, what, what's going on in the world? Uh, what's new with you? And, and kind of like for people who do, may not know you, uh, that that's an awesome background story. Maybe provide some more context to the situation, if you would, of you know who you are. Uh, what were you doing and selling online? And you know. That's a cool story. It seems yeah, very similar yeah, to what yeah. people do all around the world, but you know that that tipping point. I'm really curious to dive into it. But uh, tell tell us who is Dave? Yeah, so Dave, even at the age of 18, wanted his own business and uh, I had a plan to go into industry and gain some knowledge, and uh, planned to be there for about 10 years, maybe a bit longer, 15. Ended up staying for 20 because I enjoyed it that much. Uh, so, yeah, so I just worked for some great companies in, in the UK. Uh, as I say, started as a product designer. Absolutely loved designing products. Love it. It's my passion, product design. And uh, worked my way up through different companies, different ranks, all the way to operations director, you know, running lots of departments and operations and uh, running the whole factory. And I stayed, as I say, a lot longer than what I thought. And in 2014, I saw my opportunity to leave. The, the company I took a voluntary redundancy and I just walked straight off the cliff not knowing what I was going to be doing I had some bit of money behind me my plan was to start designing some products some unique products because that's my passion and I just happened to bump into uh, my old boss from another company and he said he called me down to the office and he said Dave do you want to go into business and I said we're doing what and he said selling on Amazon I said selling on Amazon <laughs> what, what, what are you talking about? You know, I knew not, nothing about this. And uh, he said, I'm busy right now. He said, there's a login and a password. Uh, it's called uh, uh, Amazing Seller Machine. He goes, have, have a look at that. So I went, got home that night, put it on. I was listening to Matt Clark, ASM2, I think it was. And I just got addicted. I, I knew that was what I was going to do. Couldn't stop watching it. And uh, <laughs> we built a business up from 2014, and uh, it went from there. And uh, we should have sold it. This is the part of the story that's not in the in intro. Should have sold that business in 2017. It was going absolutely fantastic. If I'd known what I knew now, it would have been sold then. But I didn't know all the stuff I, knew, I know now. Ended up walking into quite a number of pitfalls, which people are still doing right now. Sellers are still doing right now. And um, at one point, that business went from you know, being valuable multi-million dollar business to almost unsellable just because of the state that it was in. Uh, so I had to get that business back on its feet. And in order to do so, I decided to learn what it really takes to make a business highly desirable from the buyer perspective and uh, to grow that business in terms of maximizing its value. So I spoke to a lot of people, learn as much as I possibly could but even still, it didn't prepare me for when I actually did sell the business and lots of learnings in that actual phase then. So I sold that business in 2019. It was a great result. Um, and when I look back, I thought, wow, I've learned so much. There's so many tactics and things that I've learned here that the next business I put in place is going to be done, built to sell from the outset, you know, strategically built with the end game in mind, start with the end in mind. And um, all this, all these things, I thought, well, you know, I didn't know them. Lots of lots of this stuff. I was in a professional industry, you know, and I was in businesses for twenty years. So, how many other Amazon sellers are going to know this stuff? I thought pretty much hardly any, because it's not any training course out there. Very hard to find the information. It's dotted around. There's a little bit more about now. So, I decided to put this training program together called Amazon FBA Build to Sell. So. <laughs> It's a seven modules. It's quite an in-depth program, um, which essentially teaches you all the stuff that you need to know um, in order to strategically think about your business, position it right from early on, and then create an exit strategy from as early as possible um, and drive as much value in uh, to your business and uh, have a fantastic exit, much bigger than what you would have done if you hadn't have been doing all this stuff. Well, I, I think there's so many fantastic avenues to go down. Thank you for sharing that. That's uh, for only an hour to show. I promise you that we will run up and I will want to go into so many other different avenues. But I always do this, and that's the beauty of the show. So for people listening, 
I hear it a couple of different things. I hear, um, again, we talked about the golden, I call it the golden age. Maybe a lot of people do it too. Maybe I subconsciously in saying this, we called it the golden age of FBA, right? 2014, 15, a lot of service providers, a lot of sellers we get introduced to this amazing selling machine course. Uh, but also, um, we, we see a lot of people become successful. It becomes the wild west of Amazon. Anyone can be profitable by finding products, sourcing it, putting it online. It is, it's not as simplistic as that, of course, but you know, there's a lot more success and a lot of things could happen. There was a lot of tactics that could happen that don't happen even now today to be successful. So you, you, you sold from 2014 to 17 is when you said you should have. Yeah, should have done. Yeah. What? So retroactively, I'm curious point number one, why, why then what, what was the tipping point that you didn't? Because of course you, you saw the same stuff theoretically that you do now. Mm. What, what should, what did you see that should have happened, but you decided not to? You wanted to grow up bigger. So, that, <laughs> just, so we, we, thought, we thought let's just do more of the same and uh, grow this business much bigger than it is now and sell it next year. But it, it didn't work out that way. Uh, 2017, as people know in the business that was uh, an Amazon seller before and during that period, the competition really, really hotted up. Things became very different. Uh, the competing factors on various elements on, on how to compete changed. And... Uh, if you uh, had products, which many of ours were at the time, which were these Me Too products, and you're just competing against a pool, which was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, so that was one of the strategies after that was to really use my background skills from product development and to create differentiated products with strategic advantage over the competition. <laughs> so that's gotcha. how I really got back on the feet. Well, yeah, long story short, so more competition. So your sales, I'm assuming declined in that regards or people subverted your listing or whatever products or products you were products you were selling. Mm -hmm. um, so you should have sold retroactively. What what made you decide like at that moment you didn't sell, you wanted to grow bigger. I'm assuming sales went down, but then you got it back up to a point worth, you know, where you were in 2017 or what, what was that like? All right, I could have done this. What What's my game plan now? Um, once you hit that low of that point of saying, Hey, this didn't pan out exactly how I wanted to, what's now my goal and exit strategy. Yeah. That was when, you know, th things came crashing down, you know, and we're crying in our corner. Yeah. We're like, <laughs> what was I thinking? Like all things this came crashing down and I had to, you know, it, 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 been pretty easy up to then, you know, things had been, I'd got lazy from all the professional training and background that I had. I hadn't really used much of it, to be honest, because things were just so easy. Uh, those first products were put up in 2014, straight into 2015 were bestsellers, you know, like, like that. First the US, then the UK, and it was just so easy, and you get brought into lazy habits. So it was time to really go back to basics and think about this from real professional business tactics. Um, so that was... the real core element of getting back on the feet um to think about it very differently and strategically so were you just selling in uh amazon in, in the united states or do you, were you selling on multiple other platforms as well no we've gone on to uh all of europe and you're Canada. in europe as well so what what was like the scale of like uh were you selling seven figures eight figures what was like the scale that you were talking about um, in that regards, um, at the point that when you exited, you're selling roughly eight figures a year, um, in revenue. No, seven, seven. Um, okay. The, the, the eight figures was how much I've sold in, in, in total. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So I wanted to clarify. Okay. So, so that clarification, were you, this might be a stupid question. Were you happy when you exited your brand in business? Yes. I was happy because I'd thought that and planned it, you know, for, for it took, it took nearly 18 months to get back on the feet. So it wasn't, right. a short, wasn't a short time, you know, to get to get back and to do all the strategic things that need to be done. And so I was ready and I knew that the lump sum of cash, you know, injection, I wanted to go on to do other things, to compete in another niche, uh, to build it, to sell from the outset and have this products with unique design features and strategic advantage from the outset. 
Well, so, okay. So, so you exit your business, you, you have more capital. I'm assuming like the, the story goes, you have capital to reinvest, either build another brand or do something different. Yeah. Why not re why not reinvest into uh, another product that you're like, listen, I'm going to do it right from the beginning. I'm going to know my boundaries. I'm going to know where to push it and yeah. then go from there. It, why it, not take that Avenue instead of, and instead of you yeah, pivoted? It's, it's a good question because we did consider that, but the niche and the brand that we had, we, it was limited in its growth and the skills that we had, we, really, we believe we had. Just the area that we were in, we knew how big that we could grow it. Um, and we thought that it, the, the capital we got would be much better invested in. Other areas we had loads of ideas, so great, some better ideas, so. Well, and thus was born AFBTS. So, so from that regards, it sounded you said you said us. Is this something that you were working with partners, or is this your brainchild? Where where did this kind of like grow from? Because you said exiting your business, you saw a lot of like holes in regards, right? We're, we're talking about either avenues where you're not prepared, you don't have your books. Uh, like, what what were the what were the kind of what were these wells of information that you were like, listen, I, I don't know why I didn't know about this when I was exiting my business. Mm. Where were you pulling from in this regards to say like, there's a, there's a space out there that people need to learn about and maybe we can do it. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to share a slide to, to, to explain. He came prepared folks. Yeah. He yeah. came prepared. <laughs> Uh, it's best described on a slide. I've got a timeline and I'll, I'll, sure. I'll explain. And, and, and for that too, Dave, I'll make sure I explain to for people who yeah. are listening the audience who's listening as well, uh, later on. So, um, yeah, once you, once you share that and for everyone, again, I want to make sure that we are watching this live. So if you're listening to us on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, uh, go ahead and let us know what you're thinking. I want to give a shout out to people watching on LinkedIn again. Good morning, Ryan and Dave from Lisa. Lisa, friend of the show um, over at Novaland, she has her own podcast, uh, Linked Up Leader. So Lisa, thanks for tuning in as always. Uh, we appreciate your time here uh, and just for a little bit. Uh, but yeah, let me go ahead and what Dave is sharing with us, let me go ahead and uh, go with there. So yeah, good. Dave, go ahead and take it away. Okay. I've got a few slides just in case various topics come up. So this, as you can see, is uh, what I'm calling the FBA business timeline. I'm just going to put the highlighter on. Uh, there's a point there. So, <clears throat> just in the context of your question, I'm going to try and answer it with this timeline. So, if you think about this, this business here was six months in the planning phase, 2.5 years in what I'm calling the strategic growth phase, which I'll explain. A, around about a year in the trailing 12 months consolidation, which I'll explain. About three months in selling, and then the buyer took over the business. Okay, so this is this is like a sort of four-year sort of business life, um, sure. if, if you like. Now, most of the uh, value that you can drive in the business is done in this is this phase here, in the planning phase. But at this phase, there's very few people thinking about this at this point, um, and there should be. Um, you know, the, the planning phase in terms of what products you choose, um, your branding. The supply chain, how the, you know, and driving in the, the lowest costs and the, the best quality in this phase, planning out, yeah, really mm -hmm. cementing the the foundations for a great brand and great business. Uh, then this this phase here, this long phase where you're growing the brand, these strategic decisions again have a massive effect on on the actual value that you get for your business. And then this this phase here, the training twelve months consolidation is that the 12 months before you sell your business so it's a rolling time frame right the the 12 months of your books yeah, that they're yeah. going to look at and see the valuation of your company yeah so depending on how far you're down here this 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 line could pull along with it if you're asked to uh redo your financials sure um and and in this in this phase there's less opportunity to uh drive value in and to change the multiplier uh, you're not, you don't want to be doing many of the strategic moves here in this phase that they're too risky and they take too long to get the return investment back off them. So this really is, is about consolidation and uh, reducing costs down. So you maximize profits in, the, in, the, in this, in this phase. Then so in phase. so the, this 12 month rolling phase, you don't yeah. want to be making dramatic 
changes. You're talking about launching new products. You're talking about changing logistics or manufacturers or anything of yeah, that sort, yeah, correct? Yeah. Is, that, is that where we're talking about when strategic? Yeah, that, that, that's exactly what I'm talking about there. So typically what I find is that because I've got a Facebook group with the 800 people in and when they come into the group, I ask them some questions. And from those questions, I've gleaned that pretty much no one really thinks about a, an exit plan or the exit until somewhere down here and they don't think they need to do it either. So people that are in this phase, they say, no, I don't need to think about anything to do with exits or not, but you know, I'm a buyer at this point because I'll do it here or some even do it here and worst, not it's not done at all, which is actually quite common. Um, so if you think, there's a few concepts to get across. Who are your customers? Now, obviously the more in the planning phase, people think about who are they going to be their customers that they're selling the products to. And the more customer centric you are, obviously the better business you're going to have uh, in this phase. But there's another customer and this is this one here, the buyer. So why only care for about that customer right at the end? You should be thinking about what this customer wants, what these customer requirements are right at the beginning as well. So that's how you're going to drive in uh, best value. You should be minimizing the risk um, for when this customer takes on your business, the risk of uh, getting good return on investment. And you should be building a business right from the outset with consistent growth and opportunity for the buyer when they take it on to grow it even further. So that's really how you, you're thinking about the buyer, this customer from the beginning. So in your in your planning phase, you building a business, your online business, your e-business, you're looking at the exit customer just as much as you are the person who's yeah. going to be buying your tangible goods online. Yeah, well, interesting. Well, well, yeah, thinking about the things that's important to them, the things that's going to be important to really drive a high multiplier in in the business. Now, so so the the, the type of products, for example, you, you don't want to be doing me to me to products. Uh, you want to be having products that you know got some innovation in them, some real IP locked into them, and uh, locking that in early on. Um, that's just one example of many. Um, is, is the product. Um, so, yeah, go ahead. If if you think about when's the best time to increase the multiplier over this timeline, so over the, is is at the beginning, and as you progress down it, your opportunities diminish as the time progresses. So what most sellers are doing is that come back to what I was saying and doing it in here and missing out, leaving a whole host of opportunities that they could have put in place back here to build that business as much stronger. So, I was going to say, if, yeah. if you're going to be elaborating on this, I won't ask questions because I ask them right yeah. away. Uh, so if you want me to wait till the end, I will. <laughs> Yeah, there's, I think uh, there's, only one, there's only one more slide left in this, but sure. Yeah, uh, I'll let you go ahead. And then, and then, of course, there's pitfalls along here. If you don't know what they are, you're gonna there's a high chance of falling into them. And the size of them are huge at the start, and then they decrease in size as time progresses. <clears throat> and then once you get to this point, the other opportunity, which is huge as well, especially in the market today, is that can actually make a huge difference on the actual final the price you get for your business. So that was the slides, I believe. Yeah. And in summary, now is the time to create your implement your exit strategy. Not so not, <laughs> not, not here. Not when you're yeah, the no, rolling to a yeah. month time. Yeah. Well and th and that's something that I agree with you. I think a lot of people uh are not actually they're not thinking about this in the context of I'm going to eventually exit my business. I think a lot of people, sh uh, businesses like, you know, Thrasios, like Elevate Brands, like Purchase, like, yeah. you know, Heyday, all, all those different companies, they shine a light on what's actually possible. But this yeah. is, this, these opportunities have been around for, for a long time. Like you said, you were back in 2017, you could have exited 2019. You did. Um, it just becomes there's more money being thrown at these kinds of businesses. It becomes to the forefront. What you're saying is that if you're going to be entering an Amazon business with this intent to eventually sell, whether you are a current seller and you're just starting out or you're going to be 
doing that here in the near future, your point is you need to start planning what that's going to look like from their perspective, because the more enticing of a business it is, like you said, Absolutely. diversification, uh, IP or any sort of like trademark or copyright revenue, of course, yeah. all those things kind of build this <clears throat> nice little puzzle and put it together in terms of a more valuable asset instead of just revenue. Is yeah. that what I'm hearing? Yeah, that, that that's exactly right. And today, if you think about the courses and the, a lot of the training that you see today is really focused around what most people are doing because that's where most of the skills lie. That's what people are teaching other people, which is, sorry to say, it, finding more or less very similar products to everyone else. So the Me Too products. So you end up having to compete on marketing, on images and videos and price, uh, which can be very difficult if you're competing against Chinese, of course. And really, why would you want to do that if you, in the planning phase, put more time up front in thinking really about being different, yeah? thinking about differentiating a brand? Yeah, because if you do it there, you're winning the war before you've even got into battle. You know, so that's why I like that's the way I like to think about it. Well, here, here's the ultimate uh, debate that we always have, Dave, in any clubhouse room or any sort of like mastermind group that I've been a part of, especially these last three months or four months or so, probably the first half of 2021 when you have all this money being raised by these people. There's the constant debate of what's more valuable a brand that has spent time and money and effort into branding themselves and differentiating themselves, or is it more valuable and worthwhile to be more of a numbers focused business to be able to clean cut, move on and let those aggregators or roll up companies or even private equity companies where we're predicting to later into the market, yeah. come in and just sweep those up, build slap their own brand on it and let them take it there. And your expertise are we looking at one over the other, or do we need to look at a combination of both? So that's a that's a really complex question. <laughs> you could debate it for a long time, I'm sure. Um, it always is. I'm, Again, I'm, four months of I'm, four I'm, months I'm, of this constant debate. I'm I'm pretty biased, of course, with my sort of background in product development. Of course, you can have a great business doing the other the thing, but if you're if that's what you really want to do and be stressed out and compete on that kind of level, you know, and have to to do that, if that's what floats your boat, <laughs> fine, you know, but uh, certainly not what floats my boat. And um, for me, you know, being differentiated and having a, a you know, a, a, a brand that has got a meaning that um, others haven't, you know, and if you're a, if you're a buyer of a business, um, that, it's got more value. It's got more in, intrinsic IP built into it. Um, that's the way I view it. And um, so, wait, I, I agree with you. And I, I'm not. I'm not saying I'm not debating you in this yeah. regards. I think I hear a lot of because there's so much debt being raised by the. Again, we talk about thrasies. We talk about yeah. uh, you know all all these different businesses. I've been having the on the show and say, what, what's more valuable to you? Is it something of a large portfolio or is it something that you can turn key and put into different marketplaces? Yeah. What is it that you're looking for? And to be honest, like I, I think they do look for a, a lot more ease of turnkey. Uh, but that being said, when you're trying, you, you're buying an established brand, you've put in so much legwork, you you've made this boat from a tiny, you know, almost like jet ski boat where you can ebb and flow and move in and out and, and mm -hmm. change directions at a, at a whim, you've grown it to a lot bigger of a, a yacht or a vessel or even like a freighter, if yeah. you will. We won't call them the evergreen because that's just, it'll just get stuck in Suez Canal. But that being said, um, or the ever, whatever it was called, uh, if you build something so big that you, you can't make these decisions quickly, you can't change course of action, whether it's dropping off product selection or changing a logo or changing color. You don't have that capability of doing that. So a lot of people say that if, if it's a brand and either you are the face of the brand, like Ryan's razors or something like that, my face is the brand of this. It instantly becomes unequitable to sell because of how it's tied to an individual, a name or yeah, yeah, yeah. an actual brand. 
So with that being said, for everyone who's listening or Amazon sellers who are watching this, is it important to establish yourself as a distinguishable, you know, subset? You're, you are not the brand, but the brand itself can be ebbed and, ebbed and flowed when you exit your mm -hmm. business. Yeah, I can sense that there's a difference between what a buyer finds valuable because I think these big aggregators, they've got huge resources now and they can do things that you're never ever going to be able to do and they can compete with products that you can't compete with. So those products might, you know, you'd be struggling yourself, but they could take them on and do great things with them. Um, so, you know, those could be just as valuable. But in, in, in terms of, you know, being having products that are absolutely protected by um, patents and trademarks and, you know, stopping anyone else from um, copying them, that, though, will drive a higher multiplier at the sale in relative terms to me too products just simply because um you know they've got more value you can use you can maybe they want to sell them uh on different platforms or big box stores things like that branding true branding of you're going to be able to have more growth opportunity right and, and that's the beauty of it right like the what might be a negative to some businesses might be a positive because if they are putting an offer they they are falling in love with the brand the partnerships, the supply chain, whatever that might be, they that is what they want a part of. And whether that's selling very well uh, in big box stores or in retail, or that's having a great supplier supplier relationship, or even had brand equity in terms of press releases or publications or anything like that, that all becomes super equitable in terms of where they can monetize later on. So if they weren't going to tap into that, why buy that in the first place? So that, that, that's what I think is there's mm -hmm. a lot of, there's a lot of space to play out there, which is really cool. And I think that if you're building a brand, maybe this is your thought. If I'm building a brand and putting the money and effort and time into that, you're going to see a much higher return than you would have a tangible product that might just look really good on paper and you yeah. can just cut it off and let it go and just be really good at launching a product, getting, great reviews quickly um building something that's distinguishable in that quick 12 to 18 month or 16 month window and then you can just pass it off and do it again that could be your process you seem to be really good at it but when brands kind of want to come into the market and they want to take it to the next level that's where real business and real competition and real um elevation and skill takes place so th mm -hmm. that that's my personal uh, opinion on that so so afbts you're telling people start from the beginning, think about your end buyer, not just people buying your products, but buying your business. Yeah. What are, what are some tips that we can share with people of what do I need to think about? Like what are people not thinking about? I should say so that we can think about it when implementing our business. Yeah. I wouldn't say start from the beginning is nice. Not everyone's going to have that opportunity. Um, start as early as possible is certainly, you know, what, what I was trying to say on that timeline. Um, so that that is a major one. Start your exit strategy as early as possible. And you know, when I talk about an exit strategy, what what I'm actually talking about here is uh, what I teach on the training program, which is getting all the elements that um, constitute towards the the criteria that make a business more valuable to a buyer, um, and deciding which of those are most important for your business because. Each business is different, so you'll have to create a bespoke plan. And uh, the plan, we should focus on what I call sort of the low-hanging fruit elements, the things in the business which you can do that, with, that are going to, with the least amount of effort, they're going to provide the most amount of um, uh, results. Uh, don't try and do everything, you know. It's, it's the old adage, jack of all trade, master of none. So you, you focus really on, on what those big things are and knock them off one by one. So it's a proper plan which um, has real strong focus so it's reviewed all the time every week you review the plan how are you going and getting on where are you on your are you on track do you need to make adjustments now proper planning now going back to my history in um, industry you know lots of people make plans but not many people actually do planning <laughs> right so <laughs> right. 
the, the difference is making a plan is just, you know, you do it all on a bit of paper, it looks great, and uh, that's it, you've done your plan. Planning is all about constant reviewing the, the plan and adjusting it as you go along. And one of the reasons people just drop the plan when they've made it is because they think that, oh, the plan's changed. Uh, it keeps changing, there's no point in planning. But that is exactly the essence of planning. <laughs> it changes and you evolve it. You know, you keep your, your goal the same, um, which comes on to the second point, um, which I'll talk about in a second, uh, and you change the strategy how to get there. So the second point is having your selling goal in mind. Okay. Great. Well, this is the, this is another thing I find is, is lacking. So if you want to sell your business for $1 million, or you want to sell it for $10 million, the route to get to those two points in the time frame that you've got is going to be vastly different. Yeah. And if, if, if you have got some uh, financial planning software, which I do have, and you can map it out for two years and you can say, you sound, right, you sound like my broker. <laughs> <laughs> my, when do you plan to retire? 65. Perfect. This is how you get there. And it's just a, yeah. it's, it's very sad how in the beginning, how little it is, but then you're like, yeah. Oh, in 30 years, this is what it looks like. You'll get there, Ryan or Dave yeah. or whomever. Yeah. So anyways, <laughs> so let, let, let's just say in, in two years time from where I'm at now, I want to sell my business for $5 million. And, um, with the products I've got, so you map it out first, what's gonna happen, and you'd, you'd see where you are in terms of business value. So what happens if I add another three products in? Where's that gonna get me? You know, How many products do I need to add in? Do I need to go into different marketplaces? Do I need to go on a different platform? How, you know, how am I gonna to get to this point? So you need to create a financially driven um, plan, um, which obviously is reviewed every week. Yes, it will change. Yes, it won't be the same as when you started because things think things evolve, information changes, but it's this focus on your goal, yeah, which is gonna get you to that point much quicker um, and more far more likely to get to that point as, as, as well. So that's really the, the second one, having your um, financial goal planned and mapped out, absolutely critical. And that there's Great. not many people who actually do that because um, there's not tools exist to do it and it's just this lack of um, planning that I find in, in Amazon sellers that I speak to. Right. The whole yeah. adage I've, I've been hammered in when I was in uh, primary school was those who fail to plan, plan to fail. And I forget yeah. who, who the person is always, I wish I remember. I remember sitting in, in an audience and he said, those who plan to fail to plan, plan to fail. And so that being said, there's all the, there's a couple of different routes I kind of want to take in questions here. Students or people don't know the value of their business, right? It's an asset. Now more than ever, we're trying to educate people and you specifically are trying to educate people. What you have and built this brand and sweat equity is now an asset. It's like a house or a home, um, a car, something with tangible value that you can you can evaluate based upon history and you know demand and all this other fun stuff. That being said, when someone comes to you and go, Dave, I want to do $10 million, but I'm selling this. And you look at product X and look at goal Y. How do you, how do you help them either reset expectations or how do you say that can be achieved? Like, I guess my question for you is, do you tell people that's amazing? If that's your goal, this is how we're going to get you there. Or do you have to do more of reset expectations based upon where they're at? And kind of almost bring the bar down a little bit more towards what's more tangible and realistic. Yeah, but what I would do is plan it out in the forecasting tool, or plan the business out in terms of all the all the products, the forecast of what they think the sales are going to be on those products, all the costs, all the overheads, everything all in all the inventory purchases, so you could get an overall view of where that business is going to be in terms of its SDE curve in a year's time, in two years' time, if you did this. Okay. And also, we'll show the cash flow based upon um, that plan that you've got. Now, let's just say you were uh, a million short. Okay. Now, what 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 are you going to do? So you're going to obviously add more products or increase the sales on those products. But how are you going to do it? So you need to work this out. So let's just say we're going to add five more products based upon some products you've already got. You you know how well they sell. You've done your analysis and terms of demand, you obviously be a bit conservative, don't go over the top and plan those five products in 
so you see, can my cash flow hold those five products? You know, when do I launch them? Do I launch them all at the same time? Do I launch them every month or launch them every two months? Then where you're going to be in terms of your SD, if you had those five products in the business with a launch plan, you know, you're still short, but what else do you need to do? Maybe you need to go into to sell in, um, in the UK or in, in Germany because these are great products which you think will do well in those marketplaces, and it's much simpler to expand in those areas and do it like that and, and, and less risky than um, doing it with new products. So you're building essentially, we'll probably talk all day about that, but you're building essentially a plan based upon what the financial uh, data is showing you. That's right. that's how I, that's how I do it with, with them. Well, and you forgot the most important one is using ping pong payments to save them on international conversion <laughs> fees, saving four to five percent. But it's your bottom line; you get there way quicker. <laughs> nice little plug-in, right? Like you set me up on a tee, and you didn't even know. Uh, <laughs> well, and, that, and that's a, and that's the thing, right? Is like so many people look at I'm going to exit business, and like it's so much hard work now than it is. It, it's it's putting a sweat equity. It's actually a full time business to be successful on Amazon because it's not as easy as it once was like, I'm assuming yeah. you can, you can relate to that. It's not, yeah. you have to distinguish it. You have to be so much more unique and different. And there's so many things going against you with ads, different ways to attract consumers, Amazon changing their storage limits at a whim, all these kinds of things that you say are forecastable, but what about the ultimate unknown of, and maybe this is cynical me of Amazon just, has a bad week and they're like we're going to change our inventory level you as a business can't plan mm -hmm. for that how do how does that how can you truly plan for that well you can't plan for it it's difficult to plan for the unforeseen that's for certain, that's for certain. But, yeah, uh, or a I global pandemic the, hits and yeah a global pandemic left, hits and here yeah. we are the lesson to be learned is from what's happened recently in, in last year you know did affect many sellers is that you need a plan B in terms of um, pulling stock in, in in third party warehouses. That's for absolute certain. That's what Amazon's pushing now. They're not a warehouse. You know, they're a just in time uh, warehouse where the products are going to come in and be sold as quickly as possible. Um, they want to run lean um, and have as many sellers as possible and products as possible. And they can't do that with. Um, do, you, do you have a theory? Do you have a do you have a theory behind that by chance? Like. Just kind of like taking your, if you're an Amazon, if you're an Amazon's chair, why why are you making these changes? It seems more difficult for a third party seller to to go through all of this. But from Amazon's perspective, what what is your thoughts behind everything, and especially with you know inventory and warehousing? So they can make have more sellers with more products in their warehouse and make more sales. So instead of just more, instead of just more of like really high selling products, you just want more diversification. That they haven't got um, slow moving stock from less sellers in the warehouse. That slow moving stock is, is getting kicked out and replaced by different sellers, different brands, different products, and so they're going to expand with the actual footprint that they've got in terms of the warehousing. So yeah, just you're just saying basically making everyone reevaluate what's what's being successful what's not being yeah. successful getting rid of it is that punishing high um you know high value amazon sellers that are doing or selling so much inventory at a quick volume if they to launch a new product they would have to either cap some of their best sellers or you have to continuously have a contingency plan of a third-party warehouse to closely fulfill yeah. to Amazon's yeah. warehousing. So yeah. that's just another step in the cog that yeah. you have to play. Yeah, they have just changed the game, made it harder for sellers and, and more profitable for them. <laughs> and I think that there'll be more of those changes coming down the line. That's that's the nature of Amazon, you know, selling on Amazon. But one way, of course, is to, to lessen the risk is to diversify into a different sales channel. Which, which I teach up. So, you know, Shopify or Walmart is, is expanding all the time as well. And by doing that, you know, if you can move percentage of your sales onto another shopping channel, you're not only lowering the risk, 
for you as you run the business, but also for the buyer when they take on your business because there's another sales channel which they can then work on to expand to. You've proven that it works. Is there is there a percentage that you are forecasting should be a good diverse uh, diverse you know uh, spread out of your sales on Amazon and then off Amazon? Is there something that looks very good for a aggregator or yeah, someone yeah, with private equity? Yeah, twenty percent off um, off Amazon. So you got eighty percent sales on, on Amazon, and you've you've proved that you can make sales twenty percent of them off Amazon, perhaps on your own e-commerce site that's good value so 80 20 rule of amazon to yeah. off amazon 80 on amazon 20 percent off does it skew more in profitability if you have more off of amazon is that where you think that your value of your business can go up more no the aggregators as we're talking about at the moment are specializing in on uh, amazon amazon businesses yeah so you know, if you had only 20% of it on Amazon for them, they're not going to be able to just grow it as efficiently as 8% on Amazon. So what is, so what, what, with this all being said, lots of people are exiting their business because there's lots of money in play and yeah. you know, it, it's getting harder and harder to, to predict what Amazon's feeling month to month. That being said, what are, how many sellers are undervaluing? their own businesses just to exit or just in general, they're, they're not aware that they hold on for a couple more months. Say, hold on. They're selling for a few more months. They might be adding one or 1.5 or two to their multiple. Uh, I would say a lot. Uh, <laughs> I can't quantify, but the, the, the ones I speak to, and I know that what something that's happening right now is because the market is getting so aggressive with uh, so many aggregators, you know, I hear of people getting five, six, seven, you know, inquiries, emails, people are they're, they're buying Amazon seller lists up and emailing them, being aggressive about um, trying to get them to, to sell the business and they're succeeding uh, to, sell, to buy a lot of businesses. And many of those Amazon sellers that are selling have got, you know, if you think of the timeline are on this point where maybe they weren't even thinking about selling. Yeah, maybe they um never knew how much their business was actually worth yeah until they spoke to this aggregator and they told them your business is now worth a million dollars wow you know i've heard stories that people that, that thought the business was um worth um only the profit of one year okay so let's just say you did a yearly profit of a hundred thousand dollars that's what they thought the business was worth aggregator comes along and says actually we're going to give you a three times multiplier for that business the business is worth 300,000. They're like, whoa, you know, I'm going to sell the business now. Great. You know, and, and what's happened there is that their lack, the seller's lack of knowledge um, has kind of gotten to sell the business when if they knew all the things that I teach on the training program, uh, they would take a step back out, work out what their actual exit goal is, and do the things that they need to do in order to drive the value into the business before they sell that business. And that can actually make a absolute massive difference. So let's just say, for example, in there, uh, that business, that seller hadn't, um, I'll pick an example, done enough work on uh, getting the lowest product costs and uh, shipping costs. So the landed cost of the product. Now, that can make a huge difference to the overall price of the business because um, that product cost or the landed cost, once it goes down and they're selling, let's say they're selling a thousand items a month. Um, so the thousand items a month over that, let's say $1 saving, that's one, 1,000 over 12 months, 12,000. And you multiply that by the multiplier three, so that's $36,000 just by getting better deals with the supplier and in the supplies. And if they haven't, they're not skilled in doing that and haven't done that, that's kind of something that the buyer is then just going to go, right, that's the first thing they'll do. <laughs> you know, the fantastic negotiating deal, you know, they've got their own way of driving the shipping costs down. So then they're going to take on that value instead of you, instead of that buyer. And that's what I'm on a mission to change that sort of thing happening. I want to give this, not back into this FBA 
selling community that have helped me so much, by the way, over the years. And I want to enable them to be able to capitalize on the things that they should be before they sell the business. And that's what's happening right now. The sales are going through too quickly and they think they're walking away with great deals, but they left so much on the table, so much that the buyer was just done themselves. So we've had a bunch of people as anywhere from brokers to, you know, people from Thrasio, again, uh, Elevate Brands, uh, Fortunate, all the, all these amazing companies that are, are helping people exit their businesses. Yeah. Do you tell people, are you, you're not negotiating on their behalf, right? You are, no. you're enlightening people in terms of <laughs> you're, you're not representing yourself as a lawyer and anyone who's like trying to negotiate contracts. You're just saying, yeah. be aware of these kinds of situations. Yeah. If, what, if, what, if, what, what's the Dave story? Uh, if you, if you don't mind me asking, what's the Dave story, uh, rule of advice? Do you work directly with these people or do you work with a, a broker in this regard? No, I, I don't work directly with any of them. I, 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 I work with them in terms of I'll pass if if I have a seller for my training program that's ready to sell the business. Not as I said, ready to sell the business. I will advise them on where I think that the best is, uh, could be a broker. Um, you know, aggregators are best for some type of business, but not all brokers are better for other ones. And then there's the bigger ones with the private equity firms. So I'll advise them on um, the best route to go down. But that's it. I don't work directly with them. Um, but if you think about this now, yes, it, it's fantastic. The, the aggregators are, and uh, the, the are helping people to sell the businesses, and they are. Yeah, but think about what they want to actually do. They want to buy that business as quickly as possible. They don't want to say, right, uh, I think you need to do this, this, and this to your business, and come back to me in a year's time, and it'll be worth so much more. They're not going to do that, you know. So. Yes, they, they'll tell them some of the things that I teach on the training program, but the real strategic stuff takes much longer to implement, and they're not going to be telling buyers to go away and come by in a year's time because they might not see them again. So, when here's a, I mean, we've heard we've heard stories on the show, and I've heard it off off camera and off mic of you, you so many businesses that will throw a number at you, like you said, like, hey, it's actually I'll give you a million dollars for this. People aren't like, oh, that's great. Like I didn't think that was the case. But what you may not know is if working with a broker or working with an educated person like yourself and you get nine offers or if you not shop around, but if you present your books to all these other sort of businesses out there because there's so much in play, they'll say, I, I see value in this differently. Instead of three times, I'm going to give you four X multiple or I'm going to give you a payout in terms of what you almost renegotiate the payout structure of if you want to hand in play when you want to leave if you want to earn out later on a, a year or two from the now and you hit certain markers you can even earn more in that regards so even aggregators and brokers are getting more creative if you will of how they want to pay it out but they don't want to put their money ultimately again everyone for listening on the show let's make it clear these people don't want to give you more money than they have to like let's be <laughs> absolutely 100 clear this is not a charity that they're just giving away for money they're not accepting billions of dollars from these private equity or excuse me from these venture capital firms in the form of debt just to give it away for free no 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 this is to get it at the lowest possible cost and use the resources to instantly make you equitable and that being said you can do those quickly dave you mentioned it before throwing them and working with supplier chains like hey if maybe if i can get like a bulk discount um or if i work with a great manufacturer who can change out maybe one or two things, make it instead of $5, uh, Linda cost is now four fifty. Hmm. Instantly I become more profitable in that regards. Even if I just sold the same amount year over year, I instantly am making 50 cents more, uh, yeah. per good sold just by doing yeah. that in theory. Uh, the other thing would be international expansion we talked about this putting it into a different marketplace mm -hmm. that's the number one key i've always heard from aggregators say is when we look at brands who are doing well in the united states i instantly want to put that brand in another marketplace such as a canada such as germany uk mm -hmm. australia uh, japan even all these different marketplaces with extreme growth potential they're going amazon are uh, that's why you see thrasio and pr releases come out every 
every two weeks, maybe now, like of millions of dollars in debt equity to raise for Amazon sellers in Japan and China, yeah. all these places, because those are places that people are going to start uh, buying more from Amazon. So like you said, there, the, you just have to, this is not a game for you to, yes, they're going to be paying a lot more, but it's because they know the actual value and what they can do to look at your baseline and what they can achieve to the next level is whether it's supply chain, international expansion, so on and so forth. So that being said, you, you mentioned like money is constantly being thrown more and more and more. I hear all of this and I think this has the makings of a bubble. And I mean bubble, I mean a, yeah. a an exit bubble. And yeah. I don't want to like scare people away. Is there fear that there's so much money being thrown around that everyone has to retamper expectations and multiples go from all the way up here to that crazy numbers all the way down to whoop, back down to like one and a half, two, three again. I can't predict what's going to happen, but I, I know there's going to be some kind of bubble burst at some point. I mean, the, the, I've heard various people talk uh, that, you know, that have got a long, long-term view on this financial view and uh, predicting that heard recently, I think it was about a year's time will be sort of the the peak, yeah, of FBA buying, the peak in terms of the demand and the multiples that people are getting. And what happens after the peak, how quickly it detects declines, I don't know. But uh, Hopefully I, it's not like a housing crisis or anything like that. I'm, where I'm, we just I'm see guessing the aggregators are going to start aggregating each other because um, that's just what that's what happens. Uh, Good, so. Inter interesting point you said that. Like, and I and I and I think that that is a, a fascinating uh, thought. Real quickly before the top of the hour, again, yeah. everyone, I have Dave's story from AFBTS. If you're listening to this, talking about how to grow your brand, uh, get ten to fifty percent more of your, of your Amazon FBA business. There's been a lot of talk that with all this raising of money. It's all going to it's not all going towards like equity and the company's going towards debt capital. And with such massive amounts of money being raised, does that lend make you lend to think that people are gonna start purchasing other businesses that are purchasing businesses? Like you said, consolidation mm -hmm. of aggregators, yeah. people buying out brands and them working together, whether it's using the same equity or using each other's brands or just buying and reselling brands. Yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. I think that not only that, I think that the biggest aggregators will maybe even try and start their own selling platforms. <laughs> you know, I can see that in the future because the, they'll be so huge, they'll have such power in terms of the amount of uh, products and revenue that can generate. So, you know, I, that that or build yourself so big that you have to be purchased by a private equity firm or company with even more money and they just build out you as a branch of e-commerce um, and just build out that systems there. So there's a lot of different ways to pivot. And like I said, like you said, we're only a third of the way through 2021. I say only we're already a third of the way through 2021. So I'm curious to see where the rest of the year goes. Do you have any final thoughts or parting words of for for your students? Like what, what are you, what, what's your goal and mission for this year and what, what do you think is kind of what, what do you want the Amazon community to get out of what's happening right now in the space? Yeah. My goal and mission is what is what it has was last year is to push as many, my knowledge and to make as many sellers as possible realize that having the strategic exit plan as soon as possible can have a massive effect on your final business value. Doing it last minute is not what you really want to where you want to be unless it's for, personal reasons or something like that that's that's my goal as many people as possible that you know it, it's been a tough year you know i've missed the conferences and haven't networked as much as i should have done and could have done and perhaps more people would know about it all by now but um you know that's that's where we are but i'm pleased to be on this show and i'm hope from the, the stuff that i've talked about i hope people watching it are gonna you know see some of the insights that i've Put across and uh, they'll be able to think about the business differently and uh, want to get their own strategic exit plan in place. Well, I appreciate you sharing your insights, obviously, and sharing your story, if you will, uh, pun intended uh, for the last name, uh, for, for sharing your time here, Dave. 
they, and everyone listening, this is the first time Dave and I are talking. So we, we're, we're conversing like we would at a conference uh, or any sort of insight to again, share this insight that he's gone through and himself and the, the feedback and the insight I have to make sure you level up your business and, and kind of grow it from there. Now, now is a very good time to obviously exit your business, but make sure you have that number in mind. I think the takeaways I would say, and Dave add on to this, if you would make sure that you're planning effectively what your ultimate goal is when you enter into this sort of ecosystem. If that's exiting a business at a certain multiple, making sure you can achieve financial success at whatever that looks like for you and your family or your yourself. And then ultimately, if there is an opportunity, making sure that you have everything set in place so that you can cleanly exit a business, books being kept well, making sure that you're optimizing every facet in business and making sure that you're, um, you're diversified in all these other areas that we discussed earlier in the show. Is there anything else that we would add on that? Yeah, so the start with the end in mind philosophy. <laughs> I love that it. End goal, have that target and work out the plan to get there. That's Absolutely. And if, and if people were, if people wanted to learn more about like what you have to say, or you said your course, you know, that if that's a paid course or free course, oh, we never talked about that. Where, where can we kind of get in touch with you or get in touch and kind of just pick your brain or even learn about um, the AFBTS? Yeah, there's a couple of ways. Find me on Facebook, Dave Story. Uh, Chat to me. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to any Amazon seller. I love to talk to Amazon sellers because I just, just love it and learn learn so much. So you are at the core, man. <laughs> yeah, or there's uh, yeah, my website, which is just popped up there, fats.com, or you could just send me an email. I'm happy to talk to people on email as well, which is dave underscore story at afbts.com. Excellent uh, stuff, man. Yeah, afbts.com. Yeah, I'll see if I can help your business, which I'm sure I can. Yeah, there's already 850 or 823. I forget what I looked last night. All, all this stuff is linked down in the show notes below. So if you're watching this live on social media or if you're listening to this, this will be yeah. in the show notes as well. Go ahead and check out the links below to get in touch with Dave. And ultimately, um, if you need to connect with him, pick his brain and how you can make sure that you're getting the most out of your asset, which is your brand on Amazon. Go ahead and check them out at BTS. Dave, thanks so much for hopping on Crossover Commerce. I know this is this is a pleasure for me to talk business with people. And like you said, hopefully as conferences kind of slowly roll back, I know a lot of people are focused on July. And whenever UK kind of lets people roam free again, you said every month we're, we're doing something new, like to open up more. Yeah. Hopefully we'll be able to see everyone soon enough in person and, and really educate more Um in this capacity. So thank you for your time today and your knowledge and sharing with our audience, our crossover commerce. Good, Ryan. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dave. And then for everyone, uh, just quickly, uh, thank you so much for uh, to Dave's story again, uh, for sharing his insights and wisdom about exiting and kind of having your goal in mind from the beginning of selling online. I always have that goal planned out when you're going to exit your business, the sooner, the better. We cannot stress that enough. That was very good words of wisdom. I also wanted to share, again, we talked about this in the beginning of the show, but if you're just tuning in live, I want to also let you guys know that we have another live episode tomorrow with uh, the CEO and co-founder, or excuse me, president and co-founder of Assembly, um, Adam Crawshaw, who actually he's going to talk about the future of e-commerce software. I, I'm curious because he, he uh, or I should say Assembly, owns businesses like Helium 10, and they're a all sorts of other acquisitions going on in the space. Curious to hear his thoughts on what the future of e-commerce software is going to look like. So you don't want to miss out on that. That's going to be tomorrow, noon Eastern, here on Crossover Commerce. So tune in and make sure you subscribe to our social media channels. On Friday, not Thursday, Friday, I'm really excited about this because as a lot of people know, this story, this podcast, I should say, started by accident. And I love sharing that story because it all started with my network of people that I love getting to know on social media through different pieces of content creation and us sharing insights back and forth. That's why this podcast was created because I thought that there's great perspective that could be shared with our audience, both domestically and internationally all around the world on the Amazon and e-business space. I call e-business because it's not just about selling online. It's all those things, localization, uh, logistics, about potentially exiting your business, all of these logos, branding, content creation, Whatever that might look like, 
it's all in one big ecosystem. And it's so beautiful. And I love, it's my passion to bring this information to you. I'm excited. It's going to be my 100th live episode. So you don't want to miss that out. I have a really quick teaser trailer. If I might share that with you of kind of the journey on Amazon or on this podcast, I should say that's going to be happening. I have 10 guests that are going to be hopping on with me that are former guests of the show. So just a quick teaser of what's going to be coming up on the 100th episode of Crossover Commerce. Take a look. What's up, everyone? I guess we're live right now because it's blinking at me as live. What's up, everyone? What's, What's up, up, everyone? Episode 32 of episode 46 of episode 76. Welcome to episode 8080 of Crossover Commerce presented by Ping Pong Payments. Thank you, everyone, for, again, tuning into Crossover Commerce. This is my show that I go live four to five times per week. It's a lot of content, but it's my passion to bring you the best and greatest minds in the Amazon and e-commerce space. I only do this for you, the Amazon and e-business uh, community. So my job is uh, really easy in that regard. So that's a little teaser we're going to see. It's funny to see myself evolve over time. I gained facial hair. There's so much stuff that was happening to us in the world around that time that happened back in September. Here we are at the end of April. We're already in 100 episodes. So I'm super excited to be bringing my friends of the show back on to talk again, tips and uh, things that they've seen at the beginning of 2021, what we expect to see later on this year. I, <laughs> It's funny to see the evolution, but I hope that it's been a fun ride for people as well. And insight has been valuable for you who are listening to the show. Again, I'm Ron Kramer, the host of the show, Crossover Commerce. We'll go ahead and follow me on social media to make sure you're notified of when there's going to be new content coming out on Crossover Commerce four to five times per week. That's a ton of content that we're bringing you here. So you don't want to miss out any episode there on out. So again, that's the season finale of season two. It's going to be 100 episodes, nice tiny bow, but then we're back, right back at it with lots of new guests going to be coming up in the Amazon e-commerce space. Again, thank you so much to Dave from... Uh, AF, oh my gosh, I'm going to butcher it again. This is what I do, Dave. I know you're in the background, but AFBTS. Oh, yes, I got it right. All right, FBTS. Uh, every time, man. Uh, but anyways, thank you so much for hopping on as a guest today on Crossover Commerce. Take care, everyone. We'll catch you tomorrow on another episode of Crossover Commerce.